You're listening to Preach the Word with David Ryu, Sermon Archive. Church, please join me in a word of prayer. Compassionate Father and God of all comfort, in you we find rest for the anxious heart and hope for the troubled soul. You comfort us in all of our afflictions, and you show us the incomparable riches of your grace, expressed in your kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask that you remember those among us who are struggling with sickness, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, be their refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. For you are the great physician who can heal us all of our diseases and release us from any bondage to sin. Grant us now assurance of your promises and confidence in your loving kindness to entrust our many concerns into your hands. Be our anchor through the storms of life and the rock of our salvation. Now, as we open up the Holy Scriptures to feast on your word. We ask your Holy Spirit to illuminate your word to us. You promise that your word that goes forth from your mouth shall not return to you empty. And so, accomplish what you so desire in us today and teach us to be a praying church. We ask all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today, we conclude our sermon series through the book of Ephesians. This is sermon number 33, the very last one. So please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 24. Hear the word of the Lord. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. This was the reading of God's word. Last week, we looked at the apostles' instruction for Christians to stand against the devil's schemes and to persevere through spiritual warfare by putting on the full armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But there is one more important thing that the apostle wants us to be doing as we set out for battle, and that's 
prayer. Paul doesn't describe prayer as another piece of the armor of God, but if he did, I imagine for modern readers, it would be something like the walkie-talkie of prayer. Pastor John Piper says, prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. God has given us prayer as wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in the world. You see, when a soldier goes out into the battlefield, it is imperative for the soldier to have an unbroken line of communication with the commander-in-chief. Likewise, prayer is the lifeline for the Christian when engaging in spiritual warfare. In the dark night of the soul, in times of affliction and sorrow, in moments of great trial and temptation, it is earnest prayer that lifts our spirits into heaven's comfort. Prayer is the birthright of the children of God to come before the throne of heaven and enter the sweet embrace of the Father. The only person who dares to wake up the king in the middle of the night to ask for a glass of water is a child of the king. But how unfortunate that so many Christians often forget what an amazing privilege that prayer is. To have direct and personal access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the ruler of the galaxies. I mean, to have a single phone call with the president in the White House would be the greatest honor. But to have a 24-7 open channel of communication with the Almighty God in heaven is beyond remarkable. Prayer is the divine hotline from the heart of men to the ear of God. Furthermore, I think we often forget that this amazing privilege came at a hefty cost. Isn't it interesting how all religions teach people to pray to God. But only Christianity teaches people to pray to God in the name of a mediator. That's because only Christianity teaches the true and highest view of God. God is so pure, so holy, and utterly transcendent. Why should God listen to the petitions and requests of lowly creatures like us? It is an offense for sinners to even dare to address God with the same filthy lips that lie, curse, and slander. But there is one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. It is only through the Son of God, whose life and death reconciled us to the Holy Father, that we are adopted into the family of God. And so, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through 
me. And he says, very true, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Brothers and sisters, we have the sure promise. When we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, heaven's gate is flung wide open and we lay claim to the Father's full attention and care and love. So the Apostle Paul does not want us to deprive ourselves of this great privilege. He instructs us in verse 18. He says, and pray. The Greek word used here for pray is pros eukomai. It is the combination of two different words, pros, which means to go towards or to approach, and eukomai, which means to speak or utter aloud. And that's simply what prayer is. Going to God, approaching God to tell Him your desires, your needs, your petitions, your thoughts, your worries, your concerns. You are bearing your naked soul to God. And the apostle says in verse 18 to pray in the Spirit. We often think of prayer as a means for us to go to God in order to receive God's grace. But in reality, we need God's grace in order to go to God. We need the grace of God's Spirit in order to pray for God's supply. Because there will be some days when we feel too weak to pray. There will be some days when we just don't have the words to utter. So God gives us the Holy Spirit to both enable us to pray and to guide us to pray according to His will. We bring our petitions to the Father through the Son and by the Spirit. And Paul goes on to say, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. The Christian is to pray anywhere, anytime, in any situation. Sinclair Ferguson comments, Prayer is not merely the action of a moment, it is a lifestyle, the focusing of a person-to-person -person relationship with God. It is the expression of a life lived out in the presence of God before the face of God in which our constant communion with God comes to conscious expression. My wife and I talk all the time, and we talk about everything. When she goes to work early in the morning, she leaves me a note by my coffee cup, or she sends me a, a text message with a good morning and an encouragement. When she's at work, I like to call her and ask her how she's doing, and I ask her if she ate lunch. In the evening over dinner, we share about how our days went and what we're looking forward to. But what if we considered it a chore to talk to each other, and we neglected talking to each other? Well, then our intimacy, our fellowship, will begin to diminish. On the other hand, if we actually enjoy talking to each other, and we are consistently communicating, we cultivate our companionship. 
Likewise, if we consider prayer a chore and we neglect talking to God, our fellowship with him is broken and he will feel like a distant stranger. But if we learn to enjoy constantly talking to God, then he becomes our greatest companion, our best friend through the highs and lows, our anchor through the storms of life. Then it is a great tragedy that our twisted and crooked generation would rather talk to their dogs rather than God. They say, dogs are man's best friend. I love talking to my dog because my dog loves me unconditionally. What a poor and pitiful soul. They do not know love. And they try to fill their void in their hearts with all kinds of things that can never truly satisfy. Pastor Tim Keller said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. You see, God is the only one who knows the depths of your sins, your shameful secrets, your selfish thoughts, and can still love you with a perfect love. In Jesus Christ, we find a friend who will never leave us nor forsake us. A friend who is strong enough to carry all of our burdens. A friend who would lay down his own life for us. If we had a friend like that, why wouldn't we want to talk to him all the time? Brothers and sisters, prayer is far from being an unproductive use of time. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, prayer is the highest activity of the human soul, coming face to face with God. If you detect prayerlessness in your life, it is a sign of spiritual apathy and independence from God. You have grown cold and indifferent to God. You have grown self-sufficient and stopped depending on God. But the Christian who is fervent in prayer admits their own weakness and throws themselves onto the one who is sovereign. You see, prayer is more than just mindless babbling, but it is an attitude of utter dependence on God. It is the daily admission that we are not in control, but that God is in control of our lives and every square inch of the universe. Prayer is more than just having the right words to say. The Puritan John Bunyan once said, in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. And so we pray on all occasions with hearts that lean on Christ. Then Paul continues in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions 
with all kinds of prayers and requests. When I first became a Christian, I had no idea how to pray. And I was so thankful to an older Christian brother who came alongside me and he mentored me. And I still remember the lesson he taught me on prayer, on how to pray, using the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. It is a helpful guide through four kinds of prayers. A stands for adoration. We adore and praise God for who he is. We adore him for his greatness, his majesty, his power, his goodness, his love, his compassion, his mercy, his grace. C stands for confession. We confess our sins, our failures, and our weakness to God. We tell him that we're sorry and that we will change. We confess, trusting in God's gracious promise to forgive us in Jesus Christ. T stands for thanksgiving. We thank God for all the wonderful things he has done. We thank him for life and salvation in Christ. We thank him for his faithfulness to us and all the good things that he has given us. S stands for Supplication. Supplication is the act of humbly asking for something. We humbly bring our requests and petitions to God for ourselves, for our loved ones, our church, our nation, our world. Next, Paul says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. The ESV translates this as, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Like good soldiers, Christians must always be alert. We need to stay awake. No matter how tired and weary we are, we must persevere and continue to pray. On the night of his arrest, Jesus took his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Jesus went a little further, and he prayed his famous prayer, Father, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. But when Jesus returned to his disciples, he found them asleep. And he says to Peter, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Jesus understands that we are vulnerable to the demands of the flesh. Fatigue hunger, pain, sexual urges. The demands of the flesh easily distract us and we become susceptible to spiritual attack and the scheme of the devil. But Jesus says, the spirit of the believer is willing and so we must pray. 
He calls us to pray so that no matter what the devil throws at us, we are prepared and we will appeal to God for his help to resist the devil. Prayer is how we fortify our souls against temptation. The Puritan John Owen warns us, if we do not abide in prayer, we will abide in temptation. If you do not build a habit of constant prayer, you will find yourself drifting away from Christ. For if prayer has been absent from your life, it means Christ has been absent from your mind. According to one study, the average person checks their phone every 12 minutes. That's approximately 80 times per day. We are constantly bombarded by notifications and ads and news around the world. We spend hours upon hours on our phones every single day. Well, no wonder there is a spike in anxiety in this generation. But even if we just spend a fraction of the time we're on our phones to converse with God, how much would that change our lives, our thinking? If we develop a habit of lifting up a short prayer to God throughout the day, like how often we check our phones, we will be super soldiers of Christ and the devil will flee. Now, in the second half of verse 18, Paul tells us who we should pray for. He writes, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Of course, Paul wants us to pray for ourselves, but he does not want us to neglect our important duty of interceding for all the saints. As Charles Bent put it, intercessory prayer might be defined as loving our neighbor on our knees. When I was on a mission trip in the Middle East where Christianity is illegal, I stayed a few nights at a secret hotel for Christian missionaries. And it's really just a, a small house in a neighborhood. And there I met an old Korean lady who had been living there all by herself for many years. And I thought to myself, what is she doing here in this foreign country all by herself, all alone? And, you know, we talked, you know, she was a really nice lady and we talked and chatted about an hour or so. And then she said, I have to go back to work. Do you want to see what I do for work? And I said, sure. And so I followed her into her room and I was just blown away. What I saw was just an empty room with a cushion on the floor and a Bible on the table. And the walls were covered with large maps of the world. And she said, this is my ministry. 
Every day I sit here and I pray for the world. I pray for every country. And I pray for all of God's people around the world. To this day, when I think about that old lady, I get so inspired. I don't even remember her name. And likely, nobody here will ever know who she is. She's not a pastor or a preacher speaking to large crowds, but she was one of the most radical Christians I've ever met. I think E.M. Bounds was right when he said, talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. Talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. In Paul's closing remarks from verses 21 to 22, he writes, Tithicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Here we see a very warm and human side of the apostle. He sends a messenger to the Ephesian believers to, of course, deliver this letter, but also to update them on how he is and what he is doing. At this time, Paul was in prison in Rome. And maybe he didn't want to worry them, and so he wants to give them an update. In fact, he says he's sending Tychicus for this very purpose, to update them about his life and ministry, and also to encourage the believers. I think he sets an example here of how Christians should share their lives with one another. We share our joys and our sorrows, we share our victories and our fears. And by sharing our lives with one another, there is mutual encouragement. And we can pray for each other's specific needs. This is what true Christian fellowship looks like. It's not just hanging out and doing fun things together. But Christian fellowship is sincere interest and care for one another. It is a joining of hearts to seek the Lord together. I actually want to challenge all of you to step out of your comfort zone and during the week message a brother or sister in Christ and ask them, hey, how, how can I be praying for you? How are you doing? Invite them over to your home for a meal or take them out for coffee and listen to what's going on in their lives and pray for them. Or make it a commitment to join weekly prayer meetings to pray with and for your church. In Paul's benediction from verses 23 to 24, he writes, Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love.
This benediction reveals Paul's heart for his fellow Christians. He pronounces blessings to all the saints, peace, love, faith, grace, that flow from, the, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is one unusual thing about this benediction in Ephesians compared to the rest. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Sinclair Ferguson comments, When divine love is received, it is met with an answering love that will last for all eternity, a love that will never die. The Apostle's closing desire, then, is that grace he has expounded will be the grace that we have experienced. If so, our love for the Lord will be a love that is undying. I think Paul's benediction here is a good model for how we should pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for them to experience God's peace and grace in their lives. Pray for them to be strengthened in their faith by the strong love of Christ. And pray for their love for Christ to never cease and never die. Finally, in verses 19 to 20, Paul asks for the Ephesian believers to pray for him. He writes, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The great Apostle Paul sought the prayer of his fellow Christians. Because though we might consider him great, Paul considered himself small. That's literally what his name means, Paul. Small and humble. Though we might consider him strong, Paul considered himself weak. Though we might consider him righteous, Paul considered himself the chief of sinners. You see, though Paul may be an apostle, he knew that he was in desperate need for intercession. I think many Christians today put church leaders on a platform, on a pedestal. We see them as people we should receive prayer from and not people we should pray for. But Christian leaders, including myself, are in desperate need of prayer. The devil knows that if he can impair the leadership of the church, he can weaken the whole church. And if Christian leaders do not seek the help and prayer of the saints, they have grown too arrogant and have already fallen into the devil's snare. Now notice here what Paul asks the saints to pray for. He doesn't ask them to pray for him to have an easy and comfortable life. Rather, it's quite the opposite. He tells us in verse 20 that he is the ambassador in chains. 
Paul is imprisoned in Rome, awaiting his trial for the crime of preaching the gospel. But rather than asking the saints to pray for his release and his safety, he asks his fellow Christians to pray that words may be given to him. He can preach the gospel effectively, and he asks them to pray that he can declare the gospel fearlessly. This is a prayer we should be praying for our pastors, the preachers, and also for ourselves. To proclaim the gospel effectively and fearlessly to all who are near and far. We've all heard the saying, right? You are what you eat. Your diet reflects your health. Well, it's also true that you are what you pray. Your prayer reflects your heart. If your prayers are just about your well-being, your safety, your school, your exam, your job, your life, it reveals your misplaced priorities. But our greatest longing, our greatest desire as children of God should be that our Father's name be hallowed by all people and for God's kingdom to come on the earth as the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed to all the nations. We should pray, Lord, use me and use my church to proclaim the gospel effectively and fearlessly, even to the point of death. Let it be proclaimed to the whole earth that Jesus Christ is Lord, God in the flesh, who was crucified to make atonement for sinners. May people from every tribe, tongue, and nation trust in the risen, ascended Christ for salvation and praise your glorious name forever and ever and ever. That should be our prayer. And so, beloved church, as we fight the good fight of faith and engage in spiritual warfare, we must persevere. We must persevere in prayer. Let us not deprive ourselves of this great privilege and birthright as children of God to come before the throne of heaven and to receive the Father's full attention and care. Let us pray as we have been commanded to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and with all alertness. And let us not neglect to pray for all of the saints and for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all to the glory of God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, would you forgive us for neglecting the important discipline and privilege of prayer. At this time, we pray for all the saints. We pray, Lord, that you help them to persevere through spiritual warfare, 
to stand against the devil's schemes. And we pray that you help us to proclaim the gospel effectively and fearlessly to all the nations, to all the people who need to bow their knee to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.